beautiful Sunday morning. My name is Daniel, one of the pastors here. Jonathan, thank you for that great announcement about our transition pastor. Uh, the search for that, very exciting and encouraging. Um, I had a chance to visit one of our old pastors uh, this week down in Guatemala. Some of you might remember this old uh, character, Keith Vandergrift. Anybody remember that guy? So uh, we had a great time together down in Guatemala and got to hang out together. And uh, when you see that picture, it just makes you think of trouble. At least me. It was, it was a dangerous, dangerous time together. Uh, but love uh, Keith and Lonnie. Got to spend a few days with them. And they send their greetings to the church. They love this church uh, so incredibly much. And... Um, yeah, such a joy to get to spend a few days with them. Uh, while we were down there, we were waiting. Our original plan was actually uh, a buddy of mine and I went, and we we're going to drive up to Koban, uh, where Keith and Lana are currently living, and visit them there. But kind of last minute, they said, what if we come down to Antigua, save you the long drive, and we'll spend some time together in that city? Um, so we agreed to that, and we had an extra morning to fill while we waited for Keith and Lana to arrive. Uh, so we had read, uh, one of the things to do in Guatemala is to hike and see the active volcanoes. And so there's a volcano there called Pacaya uh, that had just had a pretty massive eruption uh, at the end of March. And uh, we drive about an hour and 15 minutes to get there. We want to hike to this volcano. And, uh, you know, rumor has it you could roast marshmallows on the smoldering lava rocks. And that just sounded like something I should do. And so we get there, right, and all of a sudden there's these tourist police. And they're speaking Spanish, and my Spanish is not very good. I, I took Spanish for three years. My goal was to learn one line each year. So I know three lines in Spanish. Uh, super helpful. And so we get down there, and uh, these tourist police are arguing with the guide that we've hired. And there's a little back and forth, and, and they're going around and around, and the guide says, hold on, they, they don't want to let us go. They say, you know, maybe it's not so safe uh, since it just erupted. Uh, but we're checking with the local officials. Apparently, the local officials can override the police. And so they had some negotiations back and forth, and next thing you know, they're like, vamanos, let's go. So we start hiking the volcano, and, and we get down there, and, and sure enough, we get to roast marshmallows on the, the smoldering lava rocks, perfectly golden brown, delicious marshmallows. And uh, we're kind of following this guide. He's like, you know, just using his machete and hiking a trail through the woods. And he says, you know, we're expecting another big boom. You know, he's speaking in English, and I, oh, great. You know, he's, no, no, rocks fall on head, you die. Um, now you tell us, right? You know, we're already out there, and, and we knew there was some sense of danger, especially when the tourist police were saying don't go, but we went anyways. And uh, thankfully, we, we made it out without dying, clearly. Um, but, you know, it makes you wonder, what causes someone to be that stupid, right? I mean, what causes someone to think it's a good idea to go try to roast a marshmallow on smoldering lava rocks knowing that the volcano could erupt again at any moment, and we could be swept away in burning lava, right? It's not a very smart thing to do. If only there was something between our ears that helped us make better decisions, right? Some of you have one of those. Some of us, ours is still developing. Uh, and so today we're continuing our series called Better Decisions as we continue to explore regret-free living. And I, I must admit, I don't always make the smartest decisions, case in point, uh, particularly when it comes to something that could be an epic moment or memory, right? I don't know how many of you, I, let me just do a little poll for those of you in the room, and, and even online, raise your hands in your living room, it's fine. How many of you would have gotten to the volcano, the tourist police are there saying it's not safe, 
and you would have done the wise thing and gone home. Okay. How many of you would have been like me and said, no, no, we're going to roll some marshmallows on the, okay, there we, this is my kind of people. Okay, here we are. So, and it seemed like more hands at home too, as far as I could tell. And so, um, yeah, so we, you know, there's this, this desire in all of us, right, to live life on the edge. Some of us have it more than others. My, my wife is what you call a, a, a rule follower, right? If you're not supposed to do it, she's, she's not going to do it. Um, and, and I tend to be one that thinks of the rules as more like suggestions than anything else. Um, and, and so there's this propensity in all of us, you know, to live our lives on the edge. And, and again, not all of us would be dumb enough to, to hike on the side of a volcano that could erupt at any moment just to roast a marshmallow and to have an epic story, might I add. Right? But, but how many times do we find ourselves in situations that have the potential to bring destruction and disaster on our lives. Maybe not physically, but, but spiritually, relationally. There are moments when we do something, when we make a decision that sets us up to bring potential disaster to bear on our lives. There are moments when we do things that get us so close to the burning lava that we are running a serious risk of being burned or completely destroyed. How many of us would be that stupid to walk right up to the edge of something that has the potential to end us? How many of us would hike that volcano knowing it could erupt at any moment? The answer is, you would. And, and so would I, if it was the right volcano at the tempting moment. So we need to have a new guide, a new frame for how we make decisions. Uh, we need to think about how we make decisions. This wisdom question can set us up to live a regret-free life. It can help us to make better decisions than maybe what we're currently making. Uh, I'll tell you one more quick story, just for fun. Um, one more example to illustrate my stupidity, uh, because I like to display that for all of you. Uh, in 2001, Becky and I, I drug her to India. She had no desire to go, but I really, really wanted to go to India. So we, we went on this trip, and we went to some kind of uh, zoo or, or nature park. I don't know what it was. We went to this place where they had roughly encaged wild animals, uh, and, and some of them were king cobras, and I was excited. I'd never seen a king cobra snake before. And they had this pit. There was a wall that was about yay high, uh, but it had a pit dug about six feet down, and a tree, and this tree had cobras like all over it, and the bottom of this pit was just covered in cobras. But I was disappointed when I got there, because did you know that cobras aren't standing up with their head flared out unless they're angry? I never knew that. I thought they all just kind of danced around all the time. But they're just like normal-looking snakes until you make one of them mad. So I had an idea. Right, I got some rocks, and I started throwing rocks at these snakes because I needed to get a picture, right, of one of them with its head flared up. And, and finally, I succeeded in my mission. I made one of them angry, and all of a sudden, it stands up, and its head flares out. The only problem is it was facing the wrong direction. Like, it had its back turned to me. So, without thinking, I ran, jumped up on the side of the bricks, and I, I was 21 at the time, okay? I'm not trying that now. Right, I ran, jumped up on the bricks, and kind of just jumped across the edge right, of this snake pit. And it's like time slowed down as I'm looking down at all these snakes, and I'm flying through the air, and I'm thinking, well, this was stupid. Right? Land on the other side safely, spin around with my disposable camera, snap. All right, got the picture. 
We were also then escorted out of the park and told we were no longer welcome. <laughs> How many of you have been kicked out of a zoo before? Is it just me? Okay. Now, in my defense, in my defense, there was no sign there saying that you cannot jump over the pit of snakes. Right? So, so technically, I didn't break any rules. Right? There was nothing there that said, thou shalt not do this. And the reality is, many of us live our lives in that way. Maybe not climbing on the side of active volcanoes or jumping over pits full of cobra snakes. But we sometimes assume if there's not a sign that says, thou shalt not, then it must be okay. Right? If there's nothing forbidden this, then it must be acceptable. And that leads us to live our lives dangerously close to sin. That leads us to think if the Bible doesn't expressly forbid something, then it must be okay. But we need a new question. And Carl mentioned to you the book that we we're kind of going through as pastors and, and basing this series off of. But even before we read this book that he mentioned last week, uh, in 2007, I read another book by Andy Stanley called The Best Question Ever. And I remember I was hitting on a conference. We were living in England at the time, and I was on a train to London, and I was devouring this book. I was uh, probably in my late 20s and just thinking, man, I wish I would have read this book when I was much, much younger. And in it, Andy introduces this new question that's based on a passage found in Ephesians 5. So I want to share with you that question that transformed how I make decisions. Now, granted, I don't always apply it perfectly. You know, I'm a work in progress, but it is a great, great question. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter 5 with me, uh, and we're going to read verses 15 to 17 together. Ephesians 5, 15, Paul says this to the church in Ephesus. Be very careful, then, how you live. I mean, right now, I need to stop and pay attention to that. I don't tend to be very careful in how I live. Maybe more carefree. But Paul says, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Look at your neighbor. Say, do not be foolish. But understand what the Lord's will is. Don't you love that? Paul's so simple. Don't be an idiot. Just understand what God's will is, is essentially what he's saying to the church in Ephesus. All right, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, uh, making the most of every opportunity. So Paul, in this passage, is exhorting us to live wisely. And rather than making decisions based on what is right and wrong, is the kind of the common filter we use, is there anything wrong with this decision? What if we began to ask another question? And that question is simply this. What is the wise thing for me to do? Not is this right, not is this wrong, but what is the wise thing for me to do? And I was reading this book on this train in 2007, and I read that question, that really, Andy, that's the best question ever? What's the wise thing to do? But as he unpacked that question, I became convinced that he's absolutely right. If we would learn to reframe how we make decisions, and we'll begin to make decisions not in light of right and wrong, but in light of wisdom, the wisdom that God gives us. You know, wisdom is one of the primary navigational tools that God gives to all of us to live our life. Peter said it this way in, in 1 Peter 5, 8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, 
the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. How? How does he do that? How does he tempt us? We know that in John 10.10, the enemy came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. How does he do it? I believe one of the ways is he whispers in our ear as we're entertaining a decision, go ahead. That's okay. What you're thinking about doing isn't really wrong. Right? And that gets us one step closer to a cliff that where our destruction awaits. Because we hear, oh, yeah, it's not really wrong. And so we, what do we do when we think that? There's something we want to do, but, but we know we probably shouldn't do it. We start justifying. Always remember, it is the, it is the unwise decisions that require creative justification. Whenever you find yourself beginning to spin a story in your mind about how you, what you're about to do is okay, chances are you're about to make an unwise decision. It's the unwise decisions that require creative reasoning, creative justification. And I think the enemy often will tempt us and say, go ahead, it's okay. Take this step. Do these things. It's okay to, to, to be there in that place even though you understand and know your weakness. It, it's different now. You're different now. Can I just tell you, it's not different now. The only thing that's different is, is that was then and this is now, and, and you want to make the same dumb mistakes again? Not, not you. I'm talking about your neighbor. Don't get offended. Right? But we, we have this desire, this propensity to live our lives on the edge. And so I want to give you three questions this morning that I think will, will help us to make better decisions. Three questions that will help us live regret-free lives. And they all have to do with this wisdom question. The first one is simply this. In light of my past experiences, what is the wise thing for me to do? In light of my past experiences, what is the wise thing for me to do? We must learn to evaluate our future decisions through the, the filter of our past experiences because the things that we've experienced in the past, if we learn from them, produce wisdom in our lives. And for some people, they can do certain things and others can't do them. What's right for one person isn't necessarily right for someone else. Let me give you an example. If you are a recovering alcoholic, hanging out in a bar with your friends might not be scripturally forbidden, but it might not be wise for you in light of your past. Maybe you've struggled with uh, online pornography. And so you would think, okay, uh, you know, maybe for me, I shouldn't get on a computer when no one else is around. There's nothing in the Bible that says, thou shalt not be on thy computer whence there is no one else around, right? You're not going to find that in Scripture, right? So you could say, well, it's not wrong scripturally. It's not wrong, but for you, maybe it's not wise, but for another person who doesn't have that same struggle, it's a non-issue. So as we think about what is a wise thing for me to do, we have to filter it through our past experiences. In light of my past experiences, what is the wise thing to do? And again, remember, if you, try to, if you find yourself trying to talk yourself into something, chances are you're being unwise. I believe there's this unresolved tension between our spirit and our flesh that leads some of us to live dangerously close to sin. And what happens is we make decisions based on right and wrong, and we, we end up falling into the same mistakes, the same patterns of sin 
over and over. Have any of you ever been there? You find yourself in this same pattern of sin. It's like push repeat, and you find yourself struggling over and over. And some of us are tempted to think that this Christian life thing just doesn't really work. I know it works for others, but it doesn't work for me. But here, here's the reality, if I could just be really blunt and honest with you. It's not that the Christian life isn't working. It's that sometimes we are morons. Can I, can I say that in church? Oh, it just happened, right? We are sometimes morons. And, and, and we're idiots, and we just don't think, or we, or we spin things. We, we have to remember when it comes to these decisions that we are masters in the art of self-deception. We can easily deceive ourselves into thinking, well, it's different now, or I'm different now, and we end up in the same pattern of sin over and over and over. So we must be careful. We must filter, right? We must filter our decisions through our past experiences based on what we've learned about ourselves. Nobody wakes up one day and decides to throw their lives away. Nobody wakes up one day and decides, today I'm going to mess up in such a way that it's going to really mess up my marriage or my career or my future, right? We don't do that. No one plans to wake up and really royally mess up their life. The problem is too few of us plan not to. Right? We need to have a plan not to do that because we have an enemy that prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. And by asking these questions of wisdom, it sets us up to begin moving down that path towards regret-free living. Okay, so in light of my past experiences, what's the wise thing to do? The second question is this. In light of my current circumstances, what is the wise thing for me to do? Wisdom changes, you know, in our own lives based on what is happening inside our hearts in any given moment. It is almost impossible to discern the voice of wisdom when your emotions are raging. So we need to pay careful attention when we're on any kind of high or low. Because it's really difficult to make wise decisions when we're feeling super elevated or super deflated. Those tend to be the moments. Think back over your own worst mistakes, the biggest regrets that you carried, and chances are they came on the back end of some kind of emotional high or some kind of emotional low. Maybe after a big fight with your spouse, potentially getting laid off from your job. Maybe you got a huge promotion. Whatever it might be, those moments when we have these heightened sense of emotions are particularly vulnerable, so we need to be particularly alert in those moments and aware of the schemes of the enemy, how he might want to come in and lead us to make an unwise decision. So in light of my past experiences, what's the wise thing for me to do? In light of my current circumstances, What's the wise thing for me doing? The third question, you guys are smart. You're going to get this. What do you think it is? In light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? I heard someone say it at home. Well done, all right? In light of my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? So not only do we need to have this filter where we process things through our past experience in our current circumstances, but we also need to think about what are my hopes and dreams for the future? And how does the decision that I'm entertaining right now move me closer to or further from those hopes and dreams? We do ourselves a great disservice when we give no thought to how our actions today will affect the quality of our lives tomorrow. So what do we need to think about in terms of our, our hopes and dreams for the future? 
You know, the Bible basically says there are two kinds of people, particularly if you study the book of Proverbs. There are those who are wise, and there are those who are fools. All right? The, the wise understand, you know, uh, Scripture says the, the, the prudent see trouble coming and take cover, but the foolish keep going and are destroyed. And, and there are other place, places where it talks about, um, you know, those who are wise and those who are fools. In fact, I love this Scripture here in uh, Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six. It says, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. You cannot walk away from something like wisdom without walking towards something like foolishness and vice versa. See, fools aren't those people who who don't know what is right and wrong. Fools are people who know that what I'm doing is wrong and choose to do it anyways. So can I ask you a question this morning? Is there some area in your life where you're being a fool right now? Is is there some area in your life where you're flirting with temptation? Where you're entertaining something that you know probably isn't really smart, but you're trying to spin a story in your mind that makes it okay? You're employing creative justification to excuse the behavior that you want to entertain in your life. Are you being a fool? Are you seeing trouble out there but continuing to move towards it? Is the volcano erupting but yet you're thinking, I still want to roast a marshmallow? Right? I I still want to get a few steps closer. I want to get as close to the lava as I possibly can. We need to think about what is wise. Not just right, not just wrong. But is this a wise thing for me to do? Because I believe walking wisely will set us up to live a life of few regrets. And that's why being together in community, that's one of the reasons why being together in community is so important. Because the walk of wisdom is not a solo journey. It's not a walk we take alone. In fact, Solomon, who is known as the wisest man who ever lived, wrote, wrote more about seeking wise, wise counsel than all the other biblical authors combined. This guy, who had a reputation for being the wisest person in the world, continually wrote about the importance of seeking wise counsel. And I believe we cannot live lives of wisdom if we try to do it on our own. Because, again, we are masters in the art of self-deception. We need people in community with us to help us recognize, like, hey, is what you're doing right now a smart move? Is this really a wise decision? Does this really line up with your hopes and dreams for the future? Is this decision going to lead you closer to where you want to be or take you further from where you want to be? We need to think about what is wise. So, the simple question Is this a wise thing for me to do? Could change everything. And if we allow this question to become so ingrained in our hearts and minds that every time we're presented with a choice, every time we come to a crossroads, every time we have to make a decision, rather than just responding with the first thing that comes in our mind, rather than just thinking, is there anything wrong with this? What if we began to ask, in light of my past experiences, is this a wise thing for me to do? In light of my current circumstances, is this a wise thing for me to do? 
in light of my hopes and dreams for the future, is this a wise thing for me to do? The reality is we are all one decision away from, from hurting our lives or helping our lives. And I thank God that not, we don't have to do this alone. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. And just like Carl preached about last week with the conscience, the Holy Spirit can prick our conscience at any given moment, and we are wise if we learn to pay attention to that tension. When the Holy Spirit begins to ping our conscience, and we, we, we pause and say, wait a minute, should I really be doing this? Should I really be going there? So as we close this morning, I want to just ask you a few questions for self-reflection. What active volcano are you hiking towards in your own life right now? Is there something out there that's captured your attention, that's, that's alluring you, that's drawing you, that's pulling you in a direction you know you probably shouldn't go in? What are you trying to talk yourself into right now? Is there some area in your life where you're using creative reasoning to justify a choice that you're making? Is there anything you're entertaining right now that you hope no one else ever finds out about? And if you're sitting here this morning or you're watching online and something is springing to mind, please don't ignore what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you this morning. Don't continue blindly uh, down the path of foolishness. God is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger. But when we see these warning signs, we need to stop what we are doing and repent. We need to ask the Lord to forgive us, and we need to turn and begin moving in a different direction. So this morning, my appeal to you is simply this. If there's an active volcano in your life that you're feeling drawn towards, turn and go the other way. Paul said to Timothy to flee the evil desires of youth. Don't just turn and walk away. Turn and run in the opposite direction. I think that's what a lot of spiritual warfare is. A lot of spiritual warfare is going in the opposite direction of what we naturally feel inclined to do. But we allow ourselves not to live natural lives, but supernatural lives as we're led by the Spirit inside of us. So if that's you today and there's an area of temptation you've been flirting with, if there's a cliff you've been walking towards, I appeal to you as a pastor and as a brother in Christ to heed the voice of wisdom and to turn and begin moving down that path of wisdom. In light of your past experiences, is this a wise thing to do? In light of your current circumstances, is that a wise thing to do? And in light of your hopes and dreams for the future, is this how wisdom would lead you? So Father, we, we pray now, Lord, that you would help each of us to avoid the burning lava that seeks to destroy our lives. Lord, sometimes there's something so magnetic about sin and, and danger, and it leads us to live our lives dangerously close to a cliff 
that leads to our destruction. And Lord, we just confess today that we don't want to live that way. Lord, we want to choose to live lives of wisdom. Lord, we thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit. And you've promised in your word, Lord, that your spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. So Lord, I pray that you help us to adopt this new paradigm for decision making. Lord, that we wouldn't just evaluate our decisions anymore based on is this wrong or is this okay? But Lord, that you help us begin to ask the question of wisdom. Is this a wise thing for me to do? And Lord, we thank you that you will speak to our hearts and you will lead us and guide us as we move towards a regret-free life. Jesus, thank you for being with us. Thank you for your love, your grace, your forgiveness. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.